Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Moonstone. Um, this one's another narrative one. I'm reading three uh, three little short stories. They're actually the stories behind three new scenarios that will be coming out in the second book. Um, I'm not going to talk at all about the scenarios. I'm just going to read the narrative behind them. Um, it's a predominantly fairy-based um, series of scenarios. and We always do them in groups of three. So each scenario has its own name. Um, which I'll read the narrative for. Then there'll be a pause where I go on to the next one. Hope you enjoy. Stone Circle. Power is a drug. You just can't get enough. It won't be shared, but disappears in a puff. Just outside Nightshade on the edge of the twilight glades, there was a secret yet sacred site. It is surrounded by a light-blocking dome of impenetrable brambles which only reveal a path for those with the blood of the Fae. Inside, you may expect a sacrificial altar or an icon of some long-forgotten god, but no. In the centre of this sacred site is a simple stone circle. On each stone is an ancient Fae letter painted in fawn blood spelling the words life and death. The magic place on this circle, but like Diana herself, attacks those who enter with their deepest fears, becoming stronger the more who enter. Why is this circle so important, you ask? In the very centre is the largest and most precious moonstone ever found. The fairies call it the first. The fauns have named it Mani, god of the moon. This magnificent gem has sat undisturbed in the centre of the circle for centuries, until today. Diana was angry. Well, angrier than usual, that is. She was always angry these days. If it wasn't the goblin, it was a damn human trying to interfere. The arrogance of the stupid humans and disgusting smell of the pathetic little goblins had always annoyed Wasp. But now some new creatures had entered the Fey territory and they were getting to him more than the humans and goblins combined. At least they had no one to stop. They had never tried to directly interfere with fairy affairs or even considered entering the deepest and most sacred of the Queen's estates. These new ones had no regard for Her Majesty's property and cavorted around the forest like they owned the place. This was the Queen's land. He would protect it with his life. Wasp's adoration of Diana had never wavered, never faltered. His loyalty and love for his Queen was without question. He had been her guardian and protector ever since he could lift a javelin, killing his first goblin when he was barely a year old. He would got to know Diana's moods well in his many years of service, and when she was angry and aggressive power seemed to emanate from her. It started in her eyes. They would glow a malevolent shade of red. This powerful force would then slowly and purposefully spread down her beautiful slender arms into her perfect hands, finally exploding outward in the form of some terrible ancient incantation. Wasp knew there was nothing he could do to calm his beautiful queen. He was forced to silently watch her dramatic change, keeping guard to ensure her safety. She doesn't seem too happy and a sarcastic voice from behind him, Wasp spun round and with expert precision thrust his javelin in the direction of the voice. Silvertongue was no stranger to dodging danger though and could find his way out of the stickiest of situations. He had perfectly predicted Wasp's attack and had already ducked under the razor-sharp weapon before it had even begun to move. What are you doing here? Wasp spat with a certain amount of disappointment in his voice, hoping that this time he would actually catch the irritating, brown-nosing little bastard. I'm merely here to see if the Queen requires any of my expertise, replied Silvertongue. Your presence is not necessary. We've already gathered those whose loyalty is not as questionable, 
silver tongue raised and knowing eyebrow at this taut reply. Without saying a word, he flew off away from the stalwart guardian, chuckling quietly to himself. Wasp ignored where Silvertongue had gone. He did not care. The other guardians had been gathered and were ready to fight off the fawns. Diana would lead from the front, she had insisted, in spite of his objections. She wanted to fight these intruders herself and interrogate survivors as to how they gained access to the site in the first place. There must be one here who knew. Rogue's Folly Betrayal is a cycle. It works its way around. One day you're on top, the next you're underground. The fight at the Stone Circle had not gone to plan. The fawns had been fought off, it's true, but there had been a betrayal. The Rogues Guild were behind it. It was all the rogues who had revealed the location of the first to the fawns. It was the rogues who had arranged for the fawns to get access to the Stone Circle. And it was the rogues who had stolen the stone right under Diana's nose. Belladonna had been chosen as a stone carrier and she had always been the quickest and most agile, especially when amongst other rogues. Belladonna could still hear Diana's apoplectic screams as she fled through the dense undergrowth. For the first time in her life she knew real fear, a fear born out of experience. Like all of the fairies, she knew well what Diana did to those who betrayed her. Those sacrificed to extend her mortal life were not always adoring, willing volunteers. She had intended to flee with the first, under the cover of darkness, and return to the Queen without her ever knowing that the rogues had been responsible, but those damn fawned and ruined months of careful planning. They had not taken into account the protective spells. The magic in the stone circle had been more powerful than she had expected. Her bruised and burnt wing hung uselessly down one side of her body as she struggled to heave the huge stone along the ground. She would not escape this Queen's wrath without help, this she knew for certain. Luckily, she had friends around to help. Friends she was certain she could trust. Belladonna continued towards their agreed meeting place, apprehensive as to why the Duchess had chosen this obscure farm outside Sunshire to complete such a delicate transaction. It seemed too exposed for her liking, and she began to feel a fresh tingle of fear creep further down her back. Then a sound she had been dreading could be heard in the distance behind her. It was a combination of evil laughter, mechanical humming, and extreme flatulence. There was only one possible cause. Goblins. Why were the goblins here? Had Diana sent them after her? She quickened her base as best she could, using every last ounce of strength she had to break through the last few bushes until the woods opened up into the clearing of abandoned huts and broken-down animal shelters. Her legs were not used to this much exercise and were beginning to fail her. Her jog slowed to just single steps as she limped towards the horizon. She could see the proud outline of Duchess and could easily smell the distinct breath of cotch gut not far away. Where were the rogues? They'd never let her down before. She had limped halfway across the clearing when the rabble of smelly goblins broke through the trees behind her, screaming maniacally. Ladonna weakly raised a hand to the crowd in front of her for help. Shaking with fear and panic, she was relieved to see the band of humans march towards her and could only hope they reached her before the dirty knives of the goblins. Queen's Revenge. Sometimes they are all you need, but can you trust a friend? They will help you when you're stuck. It serves them in the end. The double-crossers had been double-crossed. Diana was angry. Her anger made her stronger, more powerful. She could throw off the shackles of fairy weakness and sap the energy from those around her. She now knew that it was the rogues who were responsible, not as any rogues, but fairy rogues. She had dismissed her fairy guardians for their failure to protect the stone and instead turned to the giant mercenaries. Giants were weak of mind but physically strong. This strength could be drawn out of them without them even knowing. Their vitality would be her fuel. 
feeding her angry power further. Sil uh, Fox Club had never seen Silverton actually look worried before. They were in dire straits. They were well aware of that. For Silverton to panic, something must be very concerning. They were all deep in conversation, Silverton, Fencer, Muridai. Foxglove preferred to keep their distance from such matters, drinking their mind, numbing concoction and thinking about what it would be like to be a mushroom. I've never seen her this angry before, Fencer whispered. I knew her power grew with emotion, but this is more than she's ever displayed. I fear we have underestimated our queen and our lack of judgment could be costly. We have no choice. We must rescue Belladonna, replied Muradai. The first moonstone is worth more to the wizards than all the stones in Moonreach combined. So legends are true. It truly is the first, whispered Silvertongue. Indeed. I heard it from the brother himself only two days ago. Ugh, that brother, spat Silvertongue. Hardly a trustworthy source. He barely knows what day it is. Let alone the, the location of something this important. His knowledge on the matter is questionable. Or just unknown. But it changes nothing. Belladonna is a rogue. We let her down arriving late to the meet with Duchess, and we cannot let that stain remain. I like his ice cream, piped up Foxglove. Their comment was ignored by the rest of the rogues. They weren't even sure if they'd heard it, or if they'd said it out loud for that matter. The rest continued to mutter amongst themselves until the cellar they were in began to shake. Ever so slightly at first, then a picture fell off the wall and they all jumped in alarm. Loud footsteps could be heard in the distance. Too loud for humans. Too loud for goblins, which could mean only one thing. Giants, they all said in unison. Judgment Day was here for the rogues. The Queen would have her revenge, and she would sacrifice all to get it.